This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn. First up today, we are continuing our series Understanding Refugees in conjunction with World Refugee Day. So this is going to be running all week. Yesterday, we touched on the history of refugees. Today, we're going to be focused on their legal rights. So for what it's worth... Today is the actual day for World Refugee Day. Um, This year, the theme is Hope Away From Home, highlighting the power of incorporating refugees into communities and finding solutions for them to lead a new life, especially relevant when we're talking about legal rights, because, of course, the ability to lead a new life can often depend on access to education, access to work, which we'll come to shortly. So if we look at what's been happening in terms of commemorating the day. This year, UNHCR will host live updates on their page, highlighting a selection of activities, stories, videos, as well as providing information on refugees in Malaysia. They've also launched a special campaign to create a global movement of solidarity, asking everyone to upload their photo with a solidarity ribbon to show that they stand hashtag with refugees around the world. Now, That brings us to today's exact topic, um, legal rights for refugees, particularly in Malaysia, because we are not party to the 1951 Refugee Convention, um, and therefore we don't actually have a domestic or administrative framework that governs refugees and their rights. But what we do have or what we do know is that due to a lack of citizenship and documentation, refugee and asylum-seeking children and youth are, for example, not allowed to attend government schools at any level. So there's a certain or a very definite lack of accessibility for education in that area. They are also, as a group, denied the right to work legally, which means that their only option for survival is to work in the informal sector, which of course has its own risks because it leaves them exposed in a variety of ways to abuse, exploitation and no protection in high-risk work environments. So that's what we're going to be exploring today, The what little of a legal framework we have in the country, what kinds of legal rights are contained within that. Um, and we're asking you, What do you think Malaysia can improve on in terms of our treatment of refugees, whether in the eyes of the law or in general? That number to call is 7733-2900. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we are going to be speaking with Tam Hui Ying, who is the Executive Director at Asylum Access. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Billions from me. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.11 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn. Today, it is the second episode of Understanding Refugees, our week-long series in conjunction with World Refugee Day, uh, which is, of course, today itself. We are focused uh, for this show on legal rights for refugees in Malaysia. Again, if you'd like to get in touch, uh, what do you think Malaysia can improve on in terms of our treatment of refugees, whether 
in the eyes of the law, whether in other areas, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now, we have Tam Hui Ying, Executive Director at Asylum Access. Hui Ying, thanks for speaking with us. So, your work revolves around protecting and advancing uh, the rights of refugees in Malaysia. Now, this is not an easy task, especially considering the challenging climate. What made you decide to dedicate your work to this? Mm-hmm. So the reality is that, you know, people are fleeing life-threatening situations to seek refuge in Malaysia. Um, however, once they're here, they face challenges that prevent them from, you know, rebuilding their lives and living a life of dignity. Traditional approaches to refugee response has focused more on aid provision and immediate relief. But then, you know, in order to rebuild their lives uh, and achieve self-resilience, refugees really need more than that. We need to start seeing refugees uh, as people with rights and not just, you know, subjects of charity. Um, and for that to happen, we need to think about, um, you know, the, the laws and policies and practices um, that affect them while they're here. Um, they they need to be granted um, status, they should be able to move freely and, and you know, have the ability um, or the right to work. Um, because, you know, inclusive laws and policies like that can both benefit both refugees uh, and, and, and host countries. Um, you know, unfortunately, of course, um, as we know, refugee, uh, refugees in Malaysia are not recognised or, or afforded any protection. And in fact, laws and policies uh, restrict their rights. Um, and so, you know, the reality is that when they are in, you know, countries of refuge like Malaysia, their persecution really continues. So our work is to ensure that laws, policies and practices of Malaysia uh, respect their rights so that refugees are able to meaningfully rebuild their lives while they are here in Malaysia. So asylum access reaches over 2,800 clients per year with direct legal aid and also community empowerment programs. Tell us more about the legal assistance that refugees and asylum seekers usually require. Um, so at AM, we mainly, uh, in terms of the direct legal um, services that we provide for refugees, um, it really is in supporting refugees and accessing UNHCR documents. Now, this is really important because this really is the only uh, document that provides them with any form of protection uh, from things like arrest and detention and also um, some limited access to healthcare, such as like 50% off uh, from the foreigners uh, rate. So um, we mainly support refugees in helping them sort of navigate the refugee de- uh, status determination process. So in addition to um, supporting them in accessing UNHCR documentation, we have also supported um, refugees in a, a variety of um, domestic um, legal issues like you know tenancy disputes, uh, labor violations, uh, mass evictions. To a very limited extent, uh, we do try to support them when they are faced with arrest and detention. But because of the way that immigration law and practices are in Malaysia, um, there is very limited things that we can do, um, despite the very, very high need. Add to that as well, uh, the inability for us to access immigration detention centres. And since August 2019, UNHCR has not had any access to any of the immigration detention centres. Um, and therefore, you know, we are really seeing a high number of um, uh, refugees, asylum seekers who face indefinite detention or deportation uh, to their home country where they could face harm or even death. 
So this is something we were talking about earlier because Malaysia has a challenging legal environment for refugees where they are essentially only recognised as undocumented migrants. Walk us through provisions in the law that guarantee their protection considering their circumstances. So without a legal or administrative framework to recognise refugees or afford them any protection, there really are no real you know, provisions under the law that guarantee their protection per se. Um, so then what we sort of see uh, as a result of this is, you know, generally like the lack of freedom of movement, uh, fear uh, of arbitrary arrest and detention. Um, we also see like a lack of access to, to formal education, lack of access to safe, affordable and quality healthcare, um, and also the lack of the legal right to work. However, there are some laws that do afford some level of protection regardless of immigration status. And so some of these laws include, for example, uh, provisions that provide uh, labor protections uh, sort of under the Employment Act. The Child Act, for example, is applicable to all children, uh, regardless of their uh, legal status and also like SGBB laws, for example. So in addition to domestic laws, there are also certain international obligations that we are bound uh, as a country. Right. And that it is applicable to all in our territory, regardless of their legal status. For example, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Um, and also we are signatory to three human rights treaties, including the Convention on the Rights of Children, the Convention uh, Against the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, um, and also the Convention uh, on Persons with Disabilities. In addition to which, what is particularly important here when talking about refugees and asylum seekers is the uh, uh, customary international law principle of non-reformant. Um, which prohibits the return of refugees or asylum seekers to a country in which they would be persecuted, face risk of torture or any other ill treatment. Under the UDHR, I think, just wanted to highlight that this includes the right to life, which is the right to survive and to live with dignity, and also the right to asylum. So all of these are applicable to us. Uh, you know, what we do do in Asylum Access Malaysia is to ensure that these safeguards are being implemented. So earlier this year, your team had successfully gotten the industrial court to rule in favour of a refugee worker who had filed a claim for unlawful dismissal and that in itself was a landmark ruling. Could you tell us more about the details here and the significance of a refugee worker successfully accessing justice in Malaysia? Yeah, so I think maybe just to sort of provide a little bit of uh, context, right? The reality is that um, cases like this uh, are few and far between because it does require a lot of resources to ever reach this stage. So few cases um, even make it to court, um, let alone sort of providing a positive up outcome. You know, there are so just so many barriers that exist to accessing justice, including... Um, you know, threats from employers, questions about their status, uh, you know, the fact that they do not have the legal right to work, um, then needing to find lawyers to represent them, uh, having a court that will, you know, look into the facts um, and not just dismiss this case based on status. Um, and, you know, even in sort of in this case of ours where, you know, despite winning the claim for unlawful dismissal, you know, enforcement still remains an issue. I mean, the fact of uh, the facts of this case are really not uncommon um, among refugee workers, documented or, uh, no, uh, or otherwise. And so this uh, decision does mark a, a significant step in ensuring that, you know, marginalised groups like refugee workers are able to access justice. 
Um, I think the main point of this uh, decision is the fact that it really reaffirmed the right of all workers, regardless of their legal status, right, to be able to file a claim um, in the industrial court whenever they faced any sort of like labor violation. And actually, this is not a, a new position. Uh, really, in fact, there was another case uh, back in 2014 known as the Taj Mahal case, where you know the court had affirmed that. Um, notwithstanding the fact that this person may be a refugee worker, they have the right to employment, they have the right to equal protection of law. Um, and, you know, just because they are not recognized um, as refugees and asylum seekers did not mean that they could not, you know, seek gainful employment or avail themselves to labour protections under existing law. So as we've seen, um, refugees have been vilified and targeted under previous administrations. The current PM has, in the past at least, shown some compassion towards the refugee crisis. Are you hopeful for a positive shift under this new government? Yeah, so I really do hope that, you know, the compassion actually translates into action. I mean, I do think that the current administration has made some very critical announcements around, you know, granting refugees the right to work and also releasing children from detention. And so um, really my position is one that's cautiously optimistic. Um, but I do hope that, you know, more concrete steps are, are taken um, in order to support refugees uh, and asylum seekers who are here and to afford them with, with basic protections. Um, one important thing um, that I hope we will consider is, you know, to stop the arrest and detention of refugees currently working informally. So, you know, as we're having conversations around the right to work, people are being deprived of livelihood. They are rendered homeless. They are not able to provide for basic subsistence because of this arrest and detention that's happening um, at their workplace. And so, you know, I am hopeful that concrete actions are taken um, without delay. And just to extend that a bit more, what kind of specific reforms would you like to see prioritised under this new government in the next five years? Sure. So there are three main specific uh, reforms um, that I that I hope will be prioritised. The first is ending immigration detention of children. Um, so, you know, of course, we are very encouraged by the Minister of Home Affairs statements about releasing children from detention, but really hope that this is sort of implemented uh, without delay, um, and that this will also be followed with a clear policy to end detention of children and their families. The second is on the on granting the right to work for refugees, but not just the right to work, but the right to decent work. And what that means is granting them the right to work along with you know, the right to stay, that, you know, labour protections are enforced, um, you know, that there are amendments to the laws to allow refugees to work with um, little sector and sort of community restrictions. Also, as, um, you know, an immediate concrete step to show the government's sort of commitment towards granting refugees the right to work is really to stop the arrest and detention of refugees who are currently working informally. Um, and, and the last thing is, of course, you know, overall just sort of like the recognition of refugees and asylum seekers um, to ensure that they are not arrested, detained and deported. Um, and as an immediate step to really grant UNHCR access to the immigration detention centres without delay. Hui Ying, in closing, what is your message this World Refugee Day? So my message this World Refugee Day is uh, one of solidarity and compassion for those who have fled harm and 
and persecution who try to rebuild their lives in Malaysia despite the challenges and hostility. Um, I hope that we start to work towards a Malaysia that respects the human rights of all, um, you know, and 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 does not see refugees uh, and asylum seekers uh, through a security lens, but one of human rights. Um, on this occasion, may we be reminded of the interconnectedness of our lives and rights in this shared home of ours called Malaysia. Um, as the saying goes, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We should not be pitted against one another, but instead should be uniting against a system that continually perpetuates injustices. Um, we need to realize that a country that does not respect human rights for everyone impacts us all. So may we unite through acceptance, empathy and compassion and not let discrimination and prejudice divide us. Hui Ying, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Tam Hui Ying, Executive Director at Asylum Access, talking to us about the legal rights of refugees in our country as part of Episode 2 of our week-long series, Understanding Refugees, which is in conjunction with World Refugee Day, which is actually today. Um, so we have been asking, what can Malaysia improve on in terms of our treatment of refugees, whether legally or otherwise? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have a voice note that's come in. Hi, it's Sahuat here. Uh, refugees is a very tricky issue to manage. Thinking from the government point of view, the government they have to take care of the safety of the citizens. If these refugees are allowed to move around freely and find jobs, how safe are these refugees? Will they pose a safety threat to the citizens? We may not know. And if they can move around freely, why would I need to apply for a visa to visit Malaysia? I just come in as a refugee and I can work, I can find a job and I can survive here. If I apply for a visa, a tourist visa, I wouldn't be able to work. Having said that, I do agree that the management of the refugees should improve. They should at least have access to clean water, um, sanitizations and also medical uh, access, access to medical help. Ahwat, thank you for that. Um, I, I guess, I guess half of that um, I really agree with uh, in terms of access to to basic human rights. I think um, access to living with dignity is also equally important, actually. But um, to your point about safety, I, I see where that's coming from. That's a very common thing that is brought up when we talk about refugees. And I think that it can be difficult when we're talking about large amounts of people, but that's something that we will need to work through. To your point about, you know, why, why would I need to apply for a visa to come and work? So there are actually very specific, we might not have a strong framework, but we do have very specific guidelines or recognition for who is a refugee and who is coming in as a refugee. And it simply wouldn't apply to people who are just travelling in and, and or travelling in and looking for work, I, I think at least. So um, yeah, th there is that. But your point about safety is 
valid. It is a frequent speaking point, a frequent talking point about refugees. I hope it's something that we can resolve. Um, John Denver says, or someone who wants to go by John Denver at least, says, firstly, ensure the refugees are comfortably housed. Secondly, special attention for children. Ensure that they're safe and have full access to their parents. Food should be adequate in quantity and cleanliness. Sanitation should fit well within health guidelines and there should be medical access. Uh, I agree with that. I think that point about children is um, an important one that I'm glad has come up because we have seen in some instances moments of separation and, and that just really doesn't make any sense, particularly considering the fact that people might already be coming from traumatic circumstances and all the rest of it. Meanwhile, we also have a non who says, what words of comfort or encouragement can I offer refugees except to draw on whatever strength they have within? Sadly, the Malaysia today doesn't believe in sharing or caring. Shared prosperity is a thing of the past and denied about 10 years after Merdeka was achieved. There's no point pretending that Malaysia welcomes refugees because even the quote-unquote pendatangs and their descendants who have contributed to the development and progress of this country are facing increasing polarisation. So long as things do not improve, new refugees, migrant workers, legal or other Otherwise, it's only going to be a lot of lip service followed by certain disappointment. Anon, that message, it's a sad one. I think there is a lot of truth to it, um, especially in terms of sentiment at least. And that is something that could be shored up if we did have a proper framework, right? And one that we could scrutinise, adhere to, or at least point to as something that we should be working towards. So yes, maybe that's... um, Maybe that's the pathway forward, or at least I certainly hope so. Again, let us know what do you think Malaysia can improve on in terms of our treatment of refugees. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Birkins for Mama, BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. It's 5.38 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn. Today, we started off our show with the second episode of our week-long series, Understanding Refugees. Today, we were talking about their legal rights because here in Malaysia, at least, they aren't allowed to attend government schools and they are denied the right to work legally. So we were asking you, what do you think Malaysia can improve on in terms of the way we treat refugees? You can call 7773 send a a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So to the messages, uh, we've got We've got, I think, uh, a theme emerging, which has to do with the need for greater empathy. So TIDJ starts us off saying, So I have a friend who used to work for UNHCR. From my understanding, the refugees here are in transit for the placements to countries that will grant them asylum. The problem, as a result of the time they spend here waiting for their placement to the final country, are inadequate housing, food, etc. And this may result in them resorting to crime. From my understanding, the refugees aren't allowed to seek for employment. How then will they provide some semblance of normalcy, of a life of dignity, during the time they spend here waiting? And this period can span years. We Malaysians need to show more compassion. We did ratify the UDHR, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We are the ones who offered our country as a middle ground for refugees to come. And TIDJ, I think you present exactly the paradox that that we struggle with when it comes to refugees. Because on the one hand, you hear these complaints of uh, security or safety, worries of people taking up jobs, um, you know, all these different things. But then... 
On the other, it is exactly that. How do you expect people to live in a country without being able to to earn money in, in any meaningful way to support themselves. I would add that actually, I, I think that even if we were to say um, that, hey, we're, we're not going to allow you to work, but we're going to provide you everything that you need in order to live, for some segments of society, they wouldn't be particularly happy with that either. I mean, um, if you have... I imagine the argument being taxpayer money going towards supporting refugees. People would complain about that level of charity and also turn it into a what about Malaysian argument. So I think, you know, just to add an extra layer of complexity to it, you're not allowing people to work. If it were just quote unquote charity, people wouldn't be happy with that either. It's a very difficult position to be in. Uh, Lance similarly is saying, refugees too need to find work to survive. Most of these folks are just trying to get by and make an honest living. It's infuriating when enforcement officers go around flaunting their authority, preventing them from working to survive. If they don't work, how else can they support themselves without resorting to crime? So yeah, I think a similar point. And, and in this case, what we see is that people end up working in the informal economy, which is still illegal and therefore still problematic. So even if we're not talking about outright incidents of crime, people still aren't able to actually just kind of legally earn money and it's a problem. Firus to close us off, saying, being unnecessarily extra concerned on our safety due to refugees is one of the sentiments or unconscious biases that we have for them and subsequently affecting the policies surrounding accepting them. And I think this is in relation to a voice note that came in earlier from Ahwat bringing this up. Uh, Firus goes on to say, this, I believe, is what drives xenophobia seen in other countries too. We need to remind ourselves that they are humans who escaped war or crisis. We can do and think better. And I think that is probably, I mean, I think that's a good last word on today's segment because that ultimately is is where I think a lot of us end up. But you can keep those thoughts coming. What can Malaysia improve on, uh, especially with how we treat refugees? You can call, you can send us a voice note or WhatsApp, you can tweet us. Keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.